0: Heavenly Father, all glory, honor, and praise be unto thee, the most high and living God. O Lord, indeed, thou art the God that hears, Jehovah Shammah, the one that is near. And thou art the one that heeds thy children's petitions. You have commanded us to not be worried for or anxious for anything, but with with prayer and supplications to make our request be known unto thee, the living God. And we thank thee for hearing our prayers. We thank thee for hearing our prayers in the past. And we pray for those that cannot be here this morning because of illness, because of uh, family situations or stress in their lives or because of inability. We pray that you would bless each and every one of them. Father, we pray now that as we open the word, that you would speak to us through your word. Give utterance to your servant that he may be just a vessel of clay in your hands. And open the hearts to hear, to understand, and to apply your word. For this is true wisdom, your word tells us. We ask these things now in the precious name of Jesus and thank thee. Leading up to the weekend and to this morning's service, I've had the book of Colossians on my mind, and with the Lord's help, I'd like to read through chapter 1 of the Apostle Paul's epistle to the Colossian church. Colossians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, in Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love which ye have all, to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is with all, in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it and knew it, knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with all the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, (coughs) whereof I, Paul, am made a minister." But now is made manifest to his saints. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labour striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. I've read up to and including the last verse of this chapter, 29. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.
1: The Lord is worthy that we bow down and worship him together. Worthy indeed art thou, Preeminent, firstborn, redeemer of all mankind, your Son, who is, who is before all things, and through him all things were created. Father, we, we cannot comprehend, and too often, with familiar words, we, we dull our senses to the true majesty and glory of, of Him for whom. We are but specks who who holds us together moment by moment. Without him, we would not only not be created, but we would not even live. And certainly, we would never be redeemed from the weakness of our own will. Father, we come in adoration and wonder and worship. Father, this mystery that, though so powerful and great, you have invested so much in this people, this diverse and scattered people, not only your chosen, but the Gentiles, and that the, the great mystery that Christ would be in us, the hope of glory, that we can grow, we can become mature, we can together become the image of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that, Uh, As your word shines forth this morning, that all the things that enamor us, that distract us, that we think so important and so urgent would fade into the background as we realize why we are here and what makes our life meaningful and to whom we are so beholden. Father, we pray that you would inspire our brother as he would proclaim your word And that each of us would allow the Spirit to work in us unfettered, unhindered. And that we would indeed be formed. And that Christ in us would grow and displace all the decadence and distraction. Father, you see the needs here. You see those who are still even captive. Who have not yet trusted you. Who have not yet yielded themselves completely to your to your spirit, we pray that they would come and finally give themselves to the master who will will transform them into reflections of the most glorious son. Father, who will give them freedom from the things that oppress and, and, and enslave them. Father, we pray that we could better reflect that reality, that we would allow your spirit to really shine, that we could be a light, a city on a hill, the light of the world. Father, we trust in you to meet the needs of those who are struggling with heavy burdens, burdens of illness, burdens of old age, of loneliness. Father, we pray that as we would bear that image, we would also be your hands and feet to the household of faith and to the hurting world and that we could spend ourselves for the one who gave all for us. We pray this in, in, in adoration and dependence in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: policy was a city in what was known back then the province of Asia. We call it Asia Minor today because it doesn't include the Orient past Constantinople. But it was in the province of Asia, close to, in an area or a region called Phrygia, and it was on... I believe what they called the ring road. We have like the ring roads around certain cities even today that go around the city. But the ring road back in Asia Minor connected all the churches that were, have been mentioned in, in the New Testament. And I looked at it, the map this, this morning to see in the book of Revelation which, which were the churches that Jesus uh, mentioned. And what was the order in which he mentioned them? And sure enough, it starts off with Ephesus, then Smyrna, then Pergamum, then Theotira, then I think it was Sardis, and then Laodicea. I forget if I missed one there. But in that order of going around, because when they would get these letters, it was expected that <clears throat> it wouldn't be just kept in one place, but because it was believed to be divinely inspired by the Apostle, uh, by God to the Apostle Paul, it was circulated. And you can even read uh, uh, in the book of Colossians, the letter you've received, pass it on to Laodicea. And Laodicea was the last church of Revelation, if you remember, the lukewarm church. And so <clears throat> we believe this is divinely inspired by God himself through the Holy Spirit, and as Peter says, that no scripture is, is unless it's given by God, divinely inspired. God, the Holy Ghost spoke to us through the prophets and so forth. And same thing in Timothy, he talks about the same thing. If I can just read that. In Timothy, he was the Ephesus, uh, elder at Ephesus, and... Um, he was a follower of Jesus. He was even mentioned in this, in this passage. And uh, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God be perfect, <clears throat> thoroughly furnished unto all good works. This became to us scripture, which was not scripture to them until they received, if you will, the epistles from the apostles. What really fascinated me about, a lot lot of things fascinated me of course, but what really drew my attention, if I can put it that way, was at the end of this, this letter, the apostle gives greetings to different people as he does in the book of Romans and Corinthians and so forth. And he, he gives greetings to several people that we, we are familiar with. He says in chapter 4, verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you... Now, Epaphras visited Paul in the book in, in, in Rome. It's written here that he was there, and he received news from, Col- from Colossae and he received a report of how uh, the church at Colossae or the Colossians was doing. So he said, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salutes you or greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. For I bear him record, I'm the witness, that he has a great zeal for you and to them that are in Laodicea and Hierapolis, which is a neighbouring city. And Laodicea is a neighbouring city also to Colossae. Luke, the beloved physician. We know Luke. He wrote the Gospel of Luke. He wrote the Book of Acts. He followed Paul around on his missionary journeys. And Demas greet you. Now, this may be a sad case, demas was a faithful follower if it's the same demas that paul writes about in the second timothy he says demas has forsaken me having loved this present world it shows you that it wasn't easy being a christian and if it was the same demas what a sad story that he has forsaken paul in his greatest time of need and paul was asking his other disciples to come and help him, to bring the parchments and his cloak because the winters are cold. And Demas left him. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphus, and the church which is in his house. So there's another church, a hint there, in Laodicea as we talked about in Revelation. But there was a, a leader called Nymphus, and they held church in his house. And this is very important interested in me so much because we've just been going through in the last two uh, cfgs about what how the early church worshipped and and how they propagated the gospel how the gospel was spread and you will see do do a search in your Esau or whatever bible you have and you'll see how many times it says so-and-so and and his house right the house at colossi there was also a house at colossi in philemon's house and so there were different houses where churches were being held because they never had these big structures, these big edifices, the basilicas, the word that we've heard, I didn't realize that and kept them being repeated in, in, uh, in, in our trip to Israel. Uh, this was the basilica. This was the basilica. But these were houses. These weren't structural edifices. And this is where they were Gathering. And he said, and when this epistle is read among you, cause it to be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. Apparently there was an epistle written by Paul to Laodiceans, which was not published. But they received an epistle from Laodicea, and you read that. You know, we'll switch here. That's how the gospel was propagated back then. There was no emails, no texts no WhatsApp, there was just snail mail, if you will, handheld, taken and delivered from church to church, which would take days and if not weeks. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfil it. Paul, from a jail cell, from a prison cell, was charging, keep Archippus on the straight and narrow. Make sure that he fulfills the commitment that he made. Because the commitments we make before God, God holds very seriously. They call them charges. Sometimes Paul writes, Timothy says, I charge thee. That was a a charge to him, uh, if you will, a a command to do this. Once you put your hand on the plow, do not look back, as did Demas. You know, um, John the Apostle writes in in the first epistle of John chapter 2 he says, and love not the world neither the things that are therein for whatsoever is in the world, the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the pride of life Right? if any man love these things he says the love of God is not in him you can't have two loves in a Christian soul, in a Christian heart in a Christian spirit love not the world and they were very When it came to preeminence of Christ and God, there were no shortcuts with the apostle. He came across very firmly, as Christ did against the Pharisees when they were violating the traditions of God. So we come to this chapter, chapter 1 of Colossians, and it is said that um, there are four epistles that were written from prison by the Apostle Paul and I thought what about 2 Timothy chapter 4 that was the time he said this is the second time I'm appearing now before, before he was talking about appearing before Nero he was going to appear before Nero for the second hearing and he knew then that was his end, That was his. that's the end of his life, that's when he said I fought a good fight, I've finished the course, I've run a good race, and now therefore he's laid up for me, a crown of righteousness, this is what Stephanos, we talked about, the wreath, the crown which doesn't perish, it doesn't fade away like the, 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 the green wreaths they would put on athletes and gladiators, if you will. There's going to be a wreath that will never fade. But he knew his his course was over, his, he knew that, and it happened that, according to legend, he was beheaded on the Apian Way. So there were these four prison epistles, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon. And what is common about this, if you do your own research, that Tychicus is mentioned at least in two of those, and so is a Philemon. And a, a, Why? Because Paul was in prison. Their apostle was in prison. And it appears that Epaphras was in prison with him because he calls him my fellow prisoner in this letter. He came to visit him and for some reason it appears that they have also incarcerated him. There's also another one that talks about uh, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. So in coming to visit Paul, they took a risk. And now they were imprisoned. It doesn't mention anything about the other two being beheaded or executed, but they were imprisoned for the gospel's sake. <clears throat> this is what makes the Christianity, the professed Christianity in that decade, in that in that <clears throat> century, so real. Who would lose in a right mind, want to go to prison and be killed for something that didn't happen or for some fable. And you know why they went to death? Because they saw him. They saw Jesus. I don't like the fact that people are calling themselves apostles today. There's no such uh, indication in Scripture that, that there was a succession of the apostles. And because it says in Acts chapter 1, when they had to replace Judas, who also fell, who loved this present world, and he was replaced with Matthias, and they cast lots, the criteria or the qualification, one of the qualifications was that they have seen the risen Christ. They were witnesses. Because they were witnesses, they couldn't refute it. They would go to the death. Oh, I just want to quickly jump down to verse 24 of chapter 1, because it sort of tied in with what I just said. It says, who now rejoiced in my, my suffering for you. He's in prison and he's suffering for them. He's not suffering for their sin. But he's suffering for the propagation of the gospel so that many could be saved. That's a lesson to us. When we talk about spreading the gospel, when we talk about, you know, uh, how do we now uh, uh, grow, if you will, in, 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 the, in the church? If we, if we are only relying on organic growth through our children, that may not succeed in the long run. But we need to keep on spreading the gospel to others. I've seen too many churches fall, fail, should I say. Not that they fell from faith, but, but they decreased and they, they, they declined because perhaps there wasn't enough evangelism going on. Perhaps they weren't going out there be, being willing to suffer for the gospel's sake. So what, what, what do you mean by suffer? Well, rejection? You may be turned down, You may be mocked. You may be laughed at. You may be scorned. You might be put in bonds. You know, I looked at the word bonds today. How many times it came up, the word bonds, you know, that except for these bonds, Paul says. I will be doing this except for these bonds. But he didn't let the bonds stop him from propagating the gospel. As a matter of fact, he became very effective. If you go to the book of Acts chapter 28, when he... was finishing up his fourth missionary journey. He wanted to go to Rome one day. He said he always wanted to go to Rome to visit the believers and he went to Rome at the price and expense of the Roman government. They took him there and they then assigned him a soldier under house arrest where he would be free to do a lot of things, visit his friends, and that's why they could come to him to visit him. But there appears to be a second time when he was let go, and then at the second appearing, maybe taken back in because there was a lot of maybe protests and accusations that this fellow is teaching this this strange doctrine and is causing dis, uh, disturbance, and and so Nero takes him back in, and now it's going to get away with this, get get rid of this pest but he was under house arrest for two years. And he he says in one epistle, but the gospel of God is not bound. He says, pray for for the furtherance of the gospel. I think it was in Ephesians. Pray for the furtherance of the gospel. We all have responsibilities, even though we're not in prison with Paul, or suffering with others, but that we should pray for those that are in situations where they need prayer. We can't all be on the mission field, although that would be, you think, ideal. But if we are not on the mission field and we've got families to support and raise, we can be doing other things for the gospel's sake. And it could entail suffering. Listen to what he says in chapter one, verse 24: who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Let me read that again. Who now rejoice in my you rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions or which is lacking. If I can put behind, it's, it's lacking, something is missing of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. And I've looked at over this, I looked at different understandings and interpretation. It's basically saying that even as believers, we will suffer not for Christ, but for his sake, for the gospel's sake. And we all need to be sharers of that suffering, not that our suffering in any way adds to the cross where he shed his blood for our sins. It's not suffering for sin, but it's suffering for the propagation of the gospel. And this is so true. When we heard recently that Jesus, when he met Paul on the way to Damascus, said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks, against the goads, the prodded oxen with, with they're plowing fields. Get going, get going. It's hard for you to do that. He said, who are you, Lord, that I persecute? I'm Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, Jesus is no longer here. What was Paul doing? He was persecuting the church. And when he persecutes the church, he persecutes Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the, is the head of the church. His body, the church is his body, and he is the head. And so Paul is saying Any time the church gets persecuted, anytime I get persecuted, it keeps on adding, because they're trying to get at Christ and they can't. So they get go for us. And this is the suffering that he suffered for the gospel for us, for our sakes. So Paul writes to them and says to the saints after the introduction, the the, the regular introduction where he says, the grace and faithful brethren in Christ to them, which are in Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. So they're in prison. You think they've got nothing to do? They're praying. They're praying always for them. They're always praying. If we say, you know, uh, I can't come to church, Pray. I'm not feeling well, I'm, I'm sick. I'm, whatever it is, pray. Pray for yourselves, pray for the church, pray for one another, something we can do. And he's not asking us to get down on our knees every time if we're incapacitated, but he's asking us to pray. And, and people pray in all fashion, in all manner, uh, throughout the Bible. Jesus prayed hanging on a cross, He prayed for them that God will forgive them. Noah, Jonah prayed in the whale's belly. God, why? Because God wants us to recognise that he is all in all. He is preeminent above all things. If we think our job is, our career is, our our wife is, our house is, our car is, no. God has to be preeminent in all things. Number one, we pray for you always since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. This is the joy that was brought to, to Paul in prison. When he heard the brothers and sisters in Colossae, they've got love. They're living in love. In, in chapter 2 and 3, they talk, he talks about being, their hearts being knit together in love. We need to pray for each other. Paul realises that his suffering and his efforts, not that they did something that he receives the glory and the, the applause for but that his labour was not in vain, as he says in 1 Corinthians 15. That I I didn't labour amongst you in vain. And it gives him joy. It gives him courage. It gives him um, uh, comfort that, that people are listening and the gospel is being propagated. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So this is, they are, Rejoicing, they are living in the way, as as it says in Romans, for ye are saved by hope. For hope that is seen is not hope at all. So, not that hope saves us from our sin or gives us uh, forgiveness for sins. It's faith in His blood. Faith is current; hope is future. Because there is a hope. Uh, an expectation of good things for the believer who trusts and and, and and follows the word of God and his Holy Spirit. This expectation of good things, that is opposite to, to the expectations of bad things. Fear. We should always have hope in Christ and not look at all the bad things that could happen and fear, and then that fear paralyzes us. And we spend time a uh, 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 on things that we shouldn't be worrying about, we shouldn't be uh, so so occupied with, Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 6. Don't think about tomorrow. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. But let your cares and, 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 and requests, as Paul says, be known unto to God. Prayers and supplication. Be anxious for nothing. So if our hope is in Christ, we will believe that He will deliver, God will deliver. God will provide. Verse 6, which has come unto you, this, this gospel has come unto you and is in all the world and brings forth fruit as it doth also in you. That's what Paul was looking for, fruit. As he said in 2 Corinthians, I don't seek, I don't seek your money, I seek you. Why? I seek not your, the money, I seek your heart. How is your heart, is it benevolent, is it love, is it it giving, is it compassionate? And that's the fruit that Paul is talking about here, that they are walking in love of God and in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear brother, fellow servant, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. Now it is believed that Epaphras... He belonged to the church in Colossae. But it is believed because Paul did not, apparently, ever visit Colossae. If you go to chapter 2, verse 1, he says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. So in these two churches, they have not seen Paul. And if they have not seen him, that means he didn't visit there. But he gets the reports from Epaphras and has learned from him, who is your faithful minister, Epaphras was the minister in Colossae, was at least perhaps one of the original ministers. that may have heard Paul in Ephesus, because that's where Paul did go. And there's another chapter in the book of Acts that, that really drew my attention, When I go through the scriptures, I like to put myself in their situation. I want to live what they lived. So I want to know who was that that person? Where did they come from? And in the book of Acts chapter 20, this is the great uh, emotional event when Paul was going to Let them know that he will not see them again. You will not see my face again. Because he knew he was going to go now. He's been prophesied by the prophet Agabus that he'll be taken in bonds and he's going to go to Rome. That's the end. But in chapter 20, verse 4, it says that when he left, uh, I think it was Ephesus, and he he went went to Macedonia and there abode three months in, in Greece. And when the Jews laid wait for him as he was about to sail into Syria, he purposed to return through Macedonia. And there accompanied him into Asia. So now they're going back into Asia, back where Ephesus and Colossae is and so forth. And who was with him? Sopater of Berea. It's a town next to Thessalonica. They accompanied him. And he says... Sopater of Berea, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus. Aristarchus was in the church of Thessalonica. And he he read the letters that Paul sent to him in Thessalonica. And then it says, Gaius of Derbe and Timotheus, and of Asia, Tychicus and Trophimus. So these were well-known characters that spent time with him, that probably heard his preaching when he was in Ephesus for at least two years. He's, he, he was in the, the school of Tyrannus teaching and preaching the gospel, and there came many over two years. Can you imagine how many people we can affect in, in a short period of time? And these people that he taught in Ephesus would go back. They'd go to Colossae, they'd go to Hierapolis, they'd go to Thessalonica, they'd go to these different places, and they spread the gospel. I'm just trying to inspire us to think that the little message that we may pass on to our neighbour, to our friend, to our brothers and sister, uh, physical brothers and sisters in the flesh, that you don't know what that seed's going to do one day. And even though Paul didn't go to, to Colossae or Hierapolis or Laodicea, yet there were those that picked up the word they were convinced, that believed, and they took the word to them. And he said that Epaphras was a fellow servant and a faithful minister to the church at Colossae, to whom he was writing, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day, verse 9 of chapter 1, the day we heard it, do not cease to pray and desire that ye might be filled with all knowledge of his will and wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul's in a prison cell doesn't cease to pray. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, pray without ceasing, he says. That doesn't mean you pray 24-7 every second of the day, but when, when every time we have a chance, something comes onto our mind, that we pray about it. That we... That we find life serious enough that we love our friends, our brothers and sisters seriously enough and we will pray. We'll stop in the middle of the day and pray. Uh, Am I right? Am I wrong? That we don't pray Because it's not as important to us as something else. I speak to myself first. There's always things that we have to do. I understand that. I've been through that. I've done it. I still do it. But do we even stop? Even for five minutes in a day and something comes up and we pray to God for it and ask God, And he says, since when? Since the day we heard of your report, we never cease to pray that you might be filled with all knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. One of the biggest difficulties that we may have as Christians, as believers, is to know in our minds what is God's will for us. What is our will? In First Thessalonians it says, and this is the will of God, even your sanctification. God wants you to be holy. God wants me to be holy. We understand that. But it is there something else? He wants to be holy and do this. Or he wants to be holy and do that. Or he wants us to be holy and be willing to be engaged in some other way in the church. He wants us to be holy and preach the gospel. He wants us to be holy and forgive when we are hurt. Sometimes we we know what the will of God is, but we have a hard time following through with that will. And then he says, why? That he might walk worthy. Of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, and all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. What is the Apostle Paul saying here? Is he saying anything different than what the what the Lord Jesus said in the Beatitudes? about being poor in spirit, about mourning with those that mourn, about being merciful, about being thirsting and hungering after righteousness, about being pure in heart, about being meek, about being a peacemaker. These are the principles that Paul kept. And this is what he's... He's reiterating in different ways, patience, long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet. He has made us worthy. He has made us acceptable to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Now Paul begins to, to talk on very high level, if you will, not pun, no pun intended. but the battles that are going on in, in, the, in cosmic realms, if you will, spiritual battles, the temptations that we have, the problems that we have, the difficulties we have, they all come from the, they're all temptations that come from the enemy of our soul. Satan. You remember Jesus when he said in the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13? He talked about the sowing and the seed, some fell on stony ground, good ground and so forth. But then he says, "But there was another parable that he said, that someone had sown good seed. And they come in the morning and say, "I, I sow good seed." Where, what are all these weeds doing here? What are these tares doing here? They look like wheat, but what are they doing here? It was God's field. It was God's world and he sowed good seed and there came believers that were faithful and willing and then came, what did Jesus say? Who sowed those tares? Who sowed those weeds? The evil one, Satan, came and sowed those weeds. Any time the gospel made uh, uh, progress and, and breakthroughs and victories, along comes the devil. Along comes the devil. We've got this uh, problem in our home. We've got fruit on the... You probably have the same problems. We've got fruit on the counter, on the tables. And this fruit is good, yummy fruit. Berries, strawberries, whatever. And you know what bugs me? The bugs. The gnats, they come. And they want to spoil the fruit. Because they're hungry for it. Anytime the devil sees the good fruit of a Christian work and labor, the devil wants to come and destroy. Jesus said in John chapter 10, for the the hirelings, they just come in to kill and to destroy the sheep of God. And we have to be cognizant of that because this was a problem that was going on in the church at Colossae. There were those that were coming in And after they've heard of this wonderful gospel and that we are redeemed through the through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, they come with another gospel. They come with other additional requirements. Or they twist what Jesus said, or they try to twist what Paul said. And they say, or you've got to, if you wanna, if you can go on reading on chapter two, if you wanna be a holy person you've got to deprive yourself of all these fruits of all these foods of all these holidays you've got to be very ascetic if the word is if we have heard this word before by by cutting off things and depriving yourself physically you are now in some way showing and feeling good before god that you are doing something for him And it's not a requirement. Like the Jews. It could have been a mix. It doesn't say who these teachers were. It could have been a mix. could have been of Judaizers, the the Christian Jews that were saying like they did in Acts chapter 15, you need to keep the law of Moses, you need to circumcise your children if you want to be saved. Jesus Christ plus. Jesus plus. His blood plus works. If you want to feel... Approved and accepted by God, and there was a whole lot of other. If you read into the early church, what they would call, what we would call heretics, and they called heretics back in those days, all kinds of of false gospels and false teaching, as he says in chapter two. This showing this 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 uh, fake fake humility, and when they're worshiping angels and so forth. Uh, There's all kinds of theories of who these angels could be. But it was a a hybrid mix of confusion that these false teachers were bringing into the church. And Paul said, stop, you don't need anything else but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Today you have faiths that worship idols, that pray to saints, that pray to to man-made artefacts, thinking that there's power in them. And you hear all these stories about weeping statues and this and that, and that's not, that's not the gospel that we have heard from the lips of Christ and from the, from the writings of Paul and the other apostles. He said, our sufficiency is of Jesus Christ, not any other being, not any other angel, not any other power. He says, talks about powers and principalities, Forces, powers, um, authorities. Christ outdoes them all. And and I'm, I'm not surprised, but the book of Hebrews, it is believed that either Paul wrote it or Barnabas wrote it. And they were in a close circle together. And the book of Hebrews begins with a very similar um, theme that Paul says in, 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 in Colossians chapter 1 God who is at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke to us it passed unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son by his son no more of these prophets they're not coming Jesus Christ was the prophet The prophet, priest, and king, whom hath appointed him as an heir of all things, by whom he also made the world. This is the same thing that it says in Colossians, that in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image, Hebrew says, he is the express image. The identical image of God himself, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and therefore they should not be worshipped. We do not worship the creation, as Romans 1 says. We worship the Creator. And if we worship Christ, then He is the Creator. Because that's exactly what Corinthians 1 says, and that's exactly what, what uh, Hebrews 1 says. Who being the bright brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, Hebrews 1, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins and sat down on the right hand of the Majesty and High, being made much better then angels, there was angel worship going on in those times. People were getting bored. They wanted something mystical. Oh, that's, wow, it's a mystery. I want to be part of that enlightened group. I want to be part of that, that, that cult because there's something secretive about it. There's something mysterious. And I want to have what's a mysterious. That's exactly what Simon Magus wanted. Simon the sorcerer, when he saw the apostles laid hands on the Samaritans and they received the Holy Ghost. Simon, he also believed and he came and he wanted to, he had his hands laid on him and he received the Holy Ghost and then he comes to Peter and says, give me that gift, I'll pay your money for it. He wanted to have that power. The power that God wants us to have is the power of the Holy Spirit working His works, as they did in the book of Acts. They call it the Acts of the Apostles. It was the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Being obedient to his word. Lighting the corner where we are. Teaching the word. Being willing to suffer. And loving the brethren. These are the things that God said he wants us to do. That every man will know that we are his disciples. If we have love for the brethren. And I question... When, when people go looking for these new experiences, how, how deep, really, is their spiritual life? How fulfilled are they, really? Do they have and believe that Christ is everything and all in all to them? That their sufficiency comes from Christ and Christ alone? Because it says in Colossians Christ is in us, and he is the hope of glory. We could go on, but time is moving on. I pray that we will all take heed. That's why Paul brought it up. You were purchased, you were redeemed by the blood of Christ. You were redeemed by the most, the greatest miracle that ever occurred, that the apostles saw, that they witnessed, and because of that, they were willing to lay down their life. Are we like him? We could say with him in Philippians 3.10, Oh, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to his death. Are we willing to do that? If we're not, we're going to end up being the most miserable of all men. And I pray that for my friends outside of Christ. This applies to believers and to you alike and to me. What are you willing to suffer for? Not that you will suffer for your sin, but you're willing to endure suffering for Christ and be fulfilled and enter into glory one day. To hear me the glory evermore.
1: What a incredible treasure we have in God's word. As we can see and we have heard this morning the names of people. People who were faithful, people who were inspired by the Holy Spirit, who, who advanced the kingdom against huge oppressive empires, against lots of cultural inertia, who banded together and relied on the Holy Spirit and lifted up the name of Jesus And we heard how he has the preeminence, how he is the one who is working through all in all. And that's why this band of weak people, frail, who did not have power but had supreme power inside of them, Christ in them, the hope of glory, and how that transformed and and overcame empires and That we today can have this gospel in the same hope of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Whenever we feel overwhelmed and unequal and too weak and just a handful, let's look and see the track record of a faithful, powerful God who delights to work in the weak, as he demonstrates that the power is from him alone, the Christ in us. And I just want to invite those who have not yet experienced that power where you feel may feel intimidated by your own weakness and inability to to live up to Christ's calling. that Christ in you is what can change and transform you into a the child of God that is free from corruption. What a hope we have. May we rely on that in days to come and allow Christ to work in us that same incredible transformational power, not only for ourselves, but for the people that we come in contact with. With that, we conclude this morning's service.